0: People with opinions fucking suck. And I'm one of them.
1: Hey, we (laughs) all have opinions,
2: but it's like, and we're all entitled to them. And sometimes I wonder,
1: it depends, in some cases, the age of the person, because your 20s are just all about being loud and wrong.
0: Yes. Oh my god! That's yes.
1: just that just is for, true for everybody, but there are those people that never grow out of it, yeah. right. and that's when it becomes a problem.
0: Dude, I'm so fucking happy I did. Oh my god, <laughs> I was such an asshole about right. movies in my twenties. G-
1: in general, yeah, but and it just—I mean, same. But you know,
0: got to my thirties, and I'm like, I don't
1: care. I mean, you're like I don't give a shit. I'm like yeah. I think you're dumb, but who cares? Also, stop
0: shitting on something so relentlessly. It's like people like what they... Fuck you. Right.
2: It's like,
1: do, where, who has the time?
2: Wait till you get to your 50s and see how much you really don't give a fuck about literally anything.
0: I'm already there. It's
2: amazing. Inside,
1: yeah. It's amazing. I'm so close. Yeah, inside. Inside, I'm, inside, I'm 97. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's that. <laughs> well, shit. Uh, have we been recording this
2: whole time?
0: Uh, right, we started talking about opinions. Love it, so love it,
2: love it. I was like, yeah, because wow, we've been going for a hot minute, and some of that is kind of boring. But hey, guess what? <gasps> Welcome to Ghost and Hoes. Ghost and Hoes, Ghosts and Hoes, yeah. a paranormal podcast uh-huh. where we talk about all things spooky. That voice included. Cryptids. <laughs> yeah. Aliens, yeah. motherfucking witchcraft, uh-huh. murder most mother- motherfucking foul, yeah. and that one time a space ocean. That one time
1: the space o- space ocean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. I am back. I was yeah. ill. Thank yeah. you to all of you that reached out to me. You are very kind and very sweet. I had the plague. All is well now. Mm.
0: Did you get it from me?
2: Who the fuck knows?
0: Yeah. I, I work
2: with people in their faces yeah, all day yeah, long. Yeah. I, was I was at Costco. I've got a grandson in that just started kindergarten yeah, yeah. I, fucking I have
0: fucking anywhere. I'm my, shocked my mom didn't get it when I had it
1: my my boy, she was here
0: my, yeah i that's right' because we haven't recorded since the day after I got it, right? because you, know. you got it very shortly after me
2: uh we, you had we had already been back Did we? you okay, had well. you had we had been back. you had it. You tested positive like the day after yes. we left the studio yeah, for yeah, yeah. the Le Patroon. right? And then the following week you had tested negative. We were fine, mm-hmm. and okay. then okay. I somehow got it at some point in there. Who the fuck knows? My boyfriend hasn't gotten it at all, and he kissed me, so we're I was good. with my
0: mom the whole weekend, yeah. and like she's late sixties now or early sixties. I'm like, I really hope she doesn't get it because that's. It's, That's the problem. Yeah. Area. Yeah.
2: No, it's a thing. I mean, it's possible to not, but yeah. Yeah. Done and over. Thank fuck.
0: Yeah. Thank fucking god. Yeah. Anyway, we're back here. Yeah. Hello. Here we are. Well, introduce yourself. My yearly
2: ill. Mm. Hi guys. If you're new here, I'm i oh, I'm Z. There's Randall on the ones and twos. Yep. It sure is. Oh, yeah.
0: I almost had a burp that I was going to do right into the mic. Wow. <laughs> it was. I was. so, oh, I was.
2: God, I we're classy. I god, so we're right classy. Here. Ooh, yuck. We are classy. Hey, do you yeah. have yeah. any backhoes? Yeah. Yay! I, I figured we would.
0: That looks like it might be a bag of some sort inside Maybe. your bag. Maybe. I it brought is. something too. Oh, shit!
1: Uh, first, <laughs> I'm glad you're so excited by it. Uh, first, a shout out to our new patroon, Marissa. Hey, hey Marissa. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. you are doing the thing. Your stuff is in the mail, so maybe you'll have it by the time you're listening to Word. this.
0: Word. Uh, I mailed stuff today, too. Ooh.
1: Um, that's all I have. Oh. oh. All right. Well, if there's, there's snacks. I do yeah. have them.
2: All in right. The first.
0: Let's all right, do that. Out. What
1: do you have? Uh, Mine's sweet,
2: so. I've should got, we start with sweet? I've got both of those.
0: I'm so. actually. It, it, I'm going to plug a show. Do that. Because I recorded it. I recorded it back on the 20th, and I don't think... I think the next week is when we took off, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, there's a new show at Al's Den in Portland called Conversational Lube. (laughs) I know. And like... I love that. I, you know, I have filmed so many shows, whether they're traditional stand-up showcases or or something a bit weirder, that I always have... I go in it, and I'm like... We'll see if this lasts, mm-hmm. you know, and it was I was very delightfully surprised. Uh, it's hosted by a local comic named Kate Shock, and it is a dating show oh. where it's basically it's a blind date uh, that is moderated by a comedian.
1: Well, that sounds like my nightmare.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what it ends up being- As a being, single person. Sure. Well, and that's the thing. When you go, yeah. if the only way that you would participate is if you fill out and submit one of the cards. Well, when clearly, you get there. Yeah. yes. But like, you get up on stage with the mic, and you, the two people dating don't actually end up saying too much. The comic will ask questions on the other's behalf mm. and then riff on it. Okay. Uh, While well, all three of them are up on stage. It was
2: really I fun. think it's brilliant. So the people on the first date, like, is that the first time they meet yes. is on stage? Yes. Like, uh, okay.
0: They are paired by the host. They are brought up on stage. Uh,
1: okay. And then there's
0: a comic that sits down with them, and they moderate this date. And then at the very end, they decide if they're going to go on a second date or not.
1: It's like the dating game. But funnier. Who's line? Yeah. Love that. It and was any show... Within the show Thirty Rock.
0: Yes, exactly. Gold case. It was really, really fun. Oh, it sounds fun. It was really fun.
1: Yeah. No, it sounds uh,
0: fun. and the next one is on October eighteenth at Al's Den.
2: Oh. That if sounds fun. If
0: you live in Portland.
1: Ah, nice. That sounds fun. If you're local, go to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um I have snack.
0: <laughs> Which one are we doing first?
1: I've got two, so I've, I've got a sweet and a savory, so Let's, can, let's do the savory can, and then do the cheese I was going to say, we could bookend them.
0: Or You know what? I like that. Sweet okay. savory. Let's, let's sandwich sweet. that fucker.
1: There you go. Uh, we're going to start sweet?
2: Yeah. All right. Well, so these are so fucking good. Okay. That's all I... Okay. Uh, my Don't friend Gabriella... Okay. I won't tell you then. You go, and then I'll tell you what it is.
0: Huh. My okay. Eye, my
1: eyes think they know, but also I'm blind, so I'm not oh, entirely sure. They look like gummies.
0: I have a feeling I uh-huh. know what this is, because uh-huh. it looks like candy that was available uh, in my hometown quite a bit.
1: Okay, I think I know what it is. Oh, I'm
2: sure. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure I know what this is. I
1: want to... I, wanna, I mean, there's... Yeah. I, wanna, I want to this guy. Oh, okay. Maybe not.
0: They're really, really sticky.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes, they are.
0: Very, very sticky candy. Oh, yeah. I know exactly. You ready? Cheers. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. In my mouth. hmm It was fighting me.
0: It's like a slightly chili limon. Mm-hmm. It's just gummy candy gummy.
1: with chamoy mm-hmm. and
2: tahini. No, just chamoy, but she also makes her own chamoy from scratch. Ooh. Mm. Uh, her name is Gabriella. She's a local pastry chef, and she's opening a new restaurant bar. Nice. Off a of division called Libre. Okay. And so she also makes... Uh, her own chamoy, so whether you're rimming your drink with it, I said rim. Yes, you did. She also makes these as well as edibles. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Cha- the candy and the, ch- and the chamoy. Okay, so
0: she makes gummy edibles. With chamoy. With that, okay. Uh-huh. It's supposed to be delicious.
2: The gushers are the best. You gotta try the gushers.
0: I'm, I've licked my hand so much trying to get <laughs> shit hair off my tongue.
1: Hair. Mm. I can't even remember the last time I had a gusher.
2: <laughs> this is probably the first time since my kids were kids that I've had a fucking
0: gusher. Oh, holy shit. It's
1: like probably since I was in middle school. That's so good. Uh hey, babe. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Mm.
0: I have to admit, the these taste amazing. Mm-hmm. The smell of the rim now is like armpit. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: But it's a good kind of armpit.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want nine hundred of those gushers.
0: Yep. those are delicious, right?
1: Yep. I forgot how good they were. Mm-hmm. Even she better. picked
2: up the ones that had the most gushers in them.
1: Yeah. So, um,
2: it's Sweet Creatures, P- uh, Sweet Creature, PDX. Nice. So, if you want to order just the chamoy, or if you want to order some of the candy, and go you're local, that. go do
1: that.
0: Or I smell like armpit. I don't know.
1: It might but, be you. Yeah, it is so good. Okay. So good. I love that. I've seen the same kind of thing all mm-hmm. over the TikTok. But I like that that's local.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really local like
2: and she makes her own chamoy. She doesn't mm-hmm. buy store-bought yeah. chamoy to mix with the candy. That's awesome. She makes it from scratch. Have
1: yeah, you mentioned that I love chamoy? Because I really do. I love chamoy too. If you're
0: listening to this, I'm sorry I said your candy smells like her, but I don't think it's your candy. <laughs> but, um, I think it's I think, I think it's my you. room needs to be cleaned. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah so, um, but also on her uh, Instagram, she shows like a lot of um, ideas like how to uh, make chamoy, like drinks with chamoy. Oh, fun. So yeah. Anyway, nice. yeah, do that. The candy's
0: amazing. Um, yeah, there it was, was good. really good.
1: Aren't they good?
0: Kay. Is this a mystery snack?
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be. Oh, okay. But.
0: Is it something she's going to have a, a whole face about? I don't think so. Okay. What was the last thing we had that you had a whole face about? The
1: fucking beer flavored the shit. Beer yeah, chips. The beer chips. That's right. Those, those sucked were bad. <laughs> Those were not good.
0: Do you need an adult?
1: I might. These bags are like.
0: I got skizzers back here.
1: Hang on, hang on. My other favorite in here is those, um, they're the nerds covered gummy squares. I don't love nerds because it feels like I'm eating aquarium gravel.
0: Yeah, I do feel like my teeth are about to break every time I have nerds.
1: But when they're soaked in chamoy, you might might like it then. That's true. But then I'd just be eating chamoy soaked aquarium gravel. (laughs) Yeah. (gasps) It's bugles.
0: It is a bugle. I do love bugles.
1: These ones are too flat to be... Which fingers fingers? oh wait (laughs) i found one
0: (laughs) you also already have nails on i know
1: but i don't have bugle nails that's fair this is a different thing
0: like i think i think witch fingers that may not work for you might work for me yes yeah
1: uh well no this one was just almost closed okay but yeah i was like i haven't seen chinese bugles in a long time um i don't know
0: I haven't looked at the front. I love that the picture even has, okay, you won't get it from, you won't get the flavor from the front. They even have the hands, the hand with the witch fingers on it. Oh, that's funny. That's really cool.
1: Yeah,
2: because I don't read Korean, so I have no idea what that says.
1: Huh. Right? I know. It just smells like corn. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
0: It doesn't taste like anything. tastes like
1: bugles. Ooh, there's a little spicy kick. It's, it's a spicy kick, but. Oh. What is it?
0: It's like a very, very, very mild uh, hot Cheeto. Oh, ah, all
1: right. Yeah. yeah. But what's the flavor?
0: Cheetos. It no. says it on top, Cheetos. It's chicken. Is it chicken?
1: Yeah. Oh, Weird. that's chicken.
0: It's,
1: I think it's fried chicken. It's like a chicken. spicy chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. A spicy fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. No. And like, so I, like can, little, I can eat these a little spice on the back end
0: yeah like the, the I think it's crushed red pepper
1: mhm mhm and these ooh these
0: i always forget how airy these are
1: oh sorry got it ah okay oh okay, uh, oh, okay.
2: <laughs>
1: oh i know right they're all different no they're the same oh, why is same. yours just blue it well the packaging might be, the might be different
0: but oh. they're It's all the same flavor. All the same flavor yeah, I am very curious about this. As am I. Salt lemon. huh?
1: Yeah. yeah. Ooh, they smell like Fruit Loops. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. I thought they were going to be super salty, but they are not. No. Yeah, those are good.
0: It's like it tastes like a lemon yogurt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like those. Mm, okay. It's really good. Okay. You know those
2: salted sour plum things that you can mm, get at the asian mm-hmm, market
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh my boyfriend really likes those and he gave me some to try it, w- it was came out of my mouth faster than it got put in <laughs> it not them oh, okay no so okay. that's what it's like ooh salted lemon mm. wasn't yeah. sure how i felt about salted fruit it was sure, really good
1: wasn't sure how salty it was going to be but just the right amount, I guess. And I it's real mild.
0: picked up those, uh, it's the salted dark chocolate covered almonds from Trader Joe's. With Love a, that. Ter, like, Turmeric? No, it's a certain type of sugar.
2: Oh, turbinado. Like,
0: turbinado sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh And, and salt coated dark chocolate Ooh. covered almonds. Oh. <laughs> I yes. left salt on chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And caramel.
2: Love that too. Also, yeah. yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, the salted plum just blah, 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 blah. that's how that went.
1: Oh, well.
0: How'd that go? One more time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's that. I wish you guys could see the face that happened with that sound because it was really good.
0: That's great.
2: It was really good. Yeah. So if anyone wants any moi, ch- any, moi any, any moi, any moi, any moi, ch- any moi, any ch- moi?
1: it's here. Ch- moi? and it's so good. It's very good. It is. The gushers are. Pretty I also bomb, have though. the
0: bugles over here, and they're not safe.
1: That's okay. Mm. Okay. Anytime I bring a snack here, unless I explicitly state. That I'm taking it. This is free game. Okay. Free game. I have. Literally Your days are numbered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's Looking talking at you, to the bugles. bugles. Well, all I have right. a literal box of snacks.
2: Where at home? Yeah. Uh, nice. And there are
1: so two in the freezer.
2: Uh, I purchased multiple of these chamoy things, well, so you I've should, been eating them, and they are so good. All right. Well, <clears throat> shit. You go first. I do. I do indeed. And I knew I know that because I listened recently. Oh,
1: good. It's like, oh, no, she goes first. It's, it's me. I do. I do. It's you. Uh, you. know, I said no more bummers for a while uh-huh. after Marla's and Colleen's stories. Did you lie to everyone? A little bit, but there's a reason okay. why I needed to share this one today.
2: Okay. Uh, it's
1: not as horrific. And while it is going to be sad, just trust me and hang in there. All right. Because today, I'm going to tell you all about the unsolved murder of Christina Castiglione. Okay. Uh, Christina Lynn Castiglione, a.k.a. Christy, uh, was born on March 8th, 1964. It's the day after me. It is the day after you. Um, she was joi- she joined her older sister, Anna, and parents Cristoforo and Beatrice. Uh, there's sadly not much information available about Christy's life, uh, aside from... A quick little blurb in a Detroit Free Press article where her parents were interviewed about five months after her death. Mm-hmm. According to the paper, quote, The picture they paint of their youngest daughter is of a strong-willed teenager who repaired, car, uh, repaired her car's engine, managed the girls' varsity basketball and volleyball teams at Redford Union, mm-hmm. end quote. Uh, in another Detroit Free Press article, friends describe her as a popular athletic young woman who liked to repair cars. And elsewhere, when she's described at all, it's as being a, quote, nice person but not exceptionally outgoing. She was cheerful and friendly to others, however, not really interested in participating in social functions. End quote. And same. (laughs) Uh, That quote actually came from a press release long after her death, but I will get there. Uh, Gail Goodhue, a neighbor of the Castigliones, was interviewed as well and shared that Christy had been a, quote, quiet young woman and that she liked to play ball, baseball, and kickball, and she'd come down here and swim in our pool. So, you know, just a teenager. Yeah. Pretty typical teenager. Yeah. Uh, In 1982, Christy graduated from Redford Union High School, uh, Michigan, Mm -hmm. and was living with her parents on MacArthur Street in Redford Township. Okay. A couple of months prior to her death, she'd started working as a clerk in the research department of the Detroit Edison Company, which was the phone company. Oh, okay. I believe. According to her parents, she'd been deciding on whether she was going to stick with her clerical gig or if she wanted to join the army and travel the world. Okay. Um, at some point, she actually reached out to an army recruiter, but sadly, Christy would never get the chance to make a final decision. And she had called them not. Too terribly long before her death.
2: Yeah, I wanna travel the world. I assume it's too late for me to join Army.
1: Yeah, they tried to call me a whole bunch in high school and I was like, You don't want you don't want this. <laughs> you don't you know I'm like, I got I got the epilepsy, I got some weird kidneys, you know, and they're like, Oh, okay, we'll take you off our list. I'm like, that's probably the best decision <laughs> for everyone involved. Oh, army. Right. Uh, on March nineteenth, nineteen eighty three. 19-year-old Christy and her boyfriend, 25-year-old Christopher Lindsay. So Christy and Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, They ran some errands for her mother, and they finished up at around 2 o'clock that afternoon. After that, the couple decided to go their separate ways. With Christy heading home to take a quick nap. Uh, Despite agreeing to meet up later that evening, she still hadn't heard from Christopher by 7.30, so she decided to go out and look for him. Uh, First, she went across the street to his sister's house. He wasn't there. After that, she decided to walk a mile to a friend's house on Five Mile Road to hang out and watch some TV for a little bit. Uh, If you'll recall, I mentioned that Christy loved to work on cars. And up until a week before this point in time, she'd had a car that she adored, uh, a red Mustang. But she'd had to sell it because the insurance rates were too high and she couldn't afford to make the payments. So she had to sell Ah. her car. Um, Bummer. A big time bummer because it sounded like she was super into that car. Um, so after a short time at her friend's house, Christy decided to call it a night and walk home. Uh, Like I said, it was only a mile. Meanwhile, Christopher and a couple of his friends had just left a party and were driving to the Kingsborough Party Store, which was also on Five Mile Road, uh, to grab some beers. To Christopher's surprise, he spotted Christy across the street hitchhiking. So, just looking for a ride. Okay. Uh, it was about 40 degrees out and starting to rain- which would explain the outfit worn by the five foot eight brown-eyed brown brunette. Uh, she was wearing a gray sweatshirt with the hood pulled up underneath a burgundy waist-length ski jacket. Okay. Uh, but instead of offering his girlfriend a ride, apparently because she didn't approve of these particular friends of his, she didn't like his friends, so he didn't offer Pick her, her up. a ride. Yeah. Uh, he opted to hop out of the car about a mile down the road at another store and wait for Christy to walk by. Oh, okay. So he's like, I'll just, you know, I'll walk with her or whatever. Um, According to Redford police officer Jan Schroeder, quote, her boyfriend says he last saw her about 8 p.m. Saturday when he and some friends drove by as she walked home west on Five Mile Road between Telegraph and Beach Daily. He said he asked his friends to let him out at Five Mile and Beach Daily to wait for her, but she never showed up. Ooh. End quote. He said that he walked back towards where he'd initially seen her waiting for a ride, but there was no sign of her. Um, That
2: one probably haunts him.
1: Oh, I'll bet. Uh, He'd call her house later, but would claim that he didn't mention anything to her parents because he didn't want to worry them. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, just calling to see if she was there and just didn't say anything about it. Mm. While it's not clear whether it was from Christopher, one of his friends, or a third party, another sighting of... um, Christina was reported. Whomstever made it, shared that they'd seen her hitchhiking near Lola Park along Five Mile Road at around 8.30 on the night of the 19th. And that would end up being the last time she was seen alive. Yikes. Um, Between the night of Saturday the 19th and the morning of Sunday the 20th, a snowstorm hit the Redford area. Uh, By Sunday afternoon, Beatrice Castiglione called local police to report her daughter missing. Several reports regarding a partially clothed woman with her hands tied behind her back being pushed into a vehicle in nearby Inkster had been called in that same day. Oh, boy. So police looked for any trace of this mysterious woman, thinking it may have been Christina Castiglione, but they came up with nothing. Uh, Penny Mraz, a local psychic and acquaintance of the Castigliones, informed police that they'd find Christina's body in Inkster in a dumpster. Yikes. With less than ten miles between them, officers checked several dumpsters and trash cans in Inkster over the next few days, but again Nothing. Nothing. Okay. When interviewed about the case, John Crete, a Redford Township detective, stated <clears throat> Excuse me, the Devil's in your throat? It's the candy and the bugles mixed together. Yeah. Is making that weird phlegm. <clears throat> yeah.
2: I still have a little bit of a devil in my throat. From the
0: Giggity. plague.
2: Whom's t-
1: Whom's, to my Whom's to my <laughs> um, Where did it go? Oh, okay. John Crete, Redford Township detective. He said, we're willing to do anything that might possibly aid us in an investigation, no matter how ridiculous it might sound in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which, not gonna lie, love that energy. Mm-hmm. They're Like, hey, psychic? You got it? All right, let's check it out, just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Like, yeah. Not gonna hurt. Way to go, John. Um, that said... Law enforcement, along with Christie's family and friends, had no idea where she was or what had happened to her. Until ten days later when someone would call to report the discovery of a body. Uh-oh. On the afternoon of March 29th, a man named Ron Latilla was walking in the Oak Grove State Game area in Livingston County's Deerfield Township. Mm. A lot of townships. A lot of there. townships
2: on the East Coast. Um, yep, yep, yep.
1: And this The area was around 45 miles north of Christina's home in Redford. So, 45 miles away. Um, Latilla, who had apparently asked a state worker where the best spot for hunting deer in the area was, uh, discovered Christie's body in a remote wooded area near Fisher and Fawcett Roads. Oof. She was partially clothed in just her t-shirt, and a light layer of snow covered her body, leading investigators to conclude that she'd likely been murdered the night she'd gone missing. Oof. And to clarify, the snow in the area and on her body was melting, not that it had freshly fallen. Right. So because it had snowed, the night she was she last was, seen, or the early morning. Right. That's when it snowed. Lasted for however many days. Right. And, and then it was starting to melt. Was starting to melt. Got it. Yeah. There's a reason. I clarify, but anyway. Well, that so. would
2: that would contribute to the timeline.
1: I mean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. But there's yeah. another. Got it. Later. Um, so, just so the investigators and medical forensics yeah. exam can be like, ah, oh, right. This this is how we know she's been there that long. Correct. So, um, at the scene, there were no outward signs of injury, like no stab wounds, gunshots, anything like that. But an autopsy would later conclude that she had been raped, manually strangled, Eesh. and left in the woods. According to former Livingston County detective Robert Bob Bizot, quote, what the pathologist indicated was that it appeared to him that she was left there to sort of fend for herself. Maybe the motive was just rape and not homicide, and with the snow, she died of a combination of strangulation and exposure. End quote.
2: Okay. So they think that the strangulation isn't what killed her?
1: Uh, the combination of the strangulation, kind of like when I was talking about the, um, Kamar incident, uh, uh-huh. where they were thinking, whatever took them out might have actually just put them into uh, unconsciousness, right? And then the elements took, took over. Yeah, so similar. Sounds like yeah, that's what they're like saying. They're thinking she got strangled, unconscious yeah, and then
2: she was unconscious and, and then couldn't and yeah.
1: partially clothed, yeah, in the snow. That's the thing. You never go to sleep in the snow, yeah, because you don't wake up exactly. So, that unfortunate situation happened. Um, during the autopsy, male DNA was found, mm-hmm. and thankfully preserved, though it wouldn't be added to CODIS until the early 2000s, which I will get back to. Initially, detectives turned their suspicions to the man that discovered her body, Ron Lutilla. Uh Detective Bazat, who was the first officer on the scene that day... Stated that, quote, there were several inconsistencies in his story that leads me to believe he's got something to hide. We haven't been stuck on this guy, but in the back of my mind, I've always suspected him. I keep coming back to him. Okay. According to reports, Latilla's brother owned property near where Christina was last seen alive, Mm -hmm. which is definitely a weird coincidence. It's also been said that he happened upon her body while he was out hunting and fishing, according to him. Uh, But he had no gear with him when police arrived. He didn't have a fishing pole. He didn't have a gun. Um, That is weird. Yeah, he also would claim that he didn't see her body up close. He just saw it from, like, some yards away and called it in. But that was also not true. Uh Uh-oh. And he also didn't have an explanation for why he was out in the area to begin with. He was like, oh, I'm hunting. I was going fishing. And they're like, mm, were you? You sure about that? Because where's your fishing pole and your gun? My friend? Oof. This, mm, you, you sure? sure? You sure that's your answer? Um. Final answer? Right. Uh, to make matters even more questionable, Latilla was largely uncooperative with the detectives during the investigation, with Detective Bazot sharing... Quote, this guy, for somebody who didn't do something and wanted to be cleared on a homicide case, went against everything. When you find someone who won't take a polygraph test, you start looking at them like they've got something to hide. End mm. quote. Uh, Latilla allegedly had scheduled a time to do the polygraph test, but he never showed. Uh, and according to another article, he had to be forced into taking a blood test. Oof. Eventually, they were able to run Latilla's DNA against the samples taken from the crime scene and he was not a match.
2: Okay. He was not a match. Okay.
1: Uh, Detective Bazot kept a photo of Christina on his desk for years saying, quote, it kind of reminds me of the case and you never forget a case you can't bring to court. It kind of reminds you to do something on this case every day. End quote.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he estimated that they interviewed between 200 and 300 people. And that they compiled a list of known sexual offenders and murderers in the area, explaining, quote, anybody that's connected in any way with any type of violent crime, you check out. Oh, yeah. Which. Fair. Yeah. Do it. Unfortunately, between no witnesses, minimal physical evidence, because mm-hmm. the elements took most of them away, um, and the primitive DNA science of the early 80s, Christina Castiglione's case hit a wall uh detectives bazot and crete would check in on leads several times over the years but there just wasn't much of anything to go on or point them in any direction at all let alone one that would be helpful uh bazot would later state that quote we operate on the belief someone has knowledge maybe they have a come to jesus moment and get religion the chances of it being solved is low as time passes but it does happen and that is what keeps us going Okay. Um, in a 1987 interview, Detective Bazzalt likened Christina's case to a puzzle, saying, quote, That's what this is. You've got a big puzzle sitting there, and the piece is there. You just never know when you're going to find it. However, Christina Castiglione's murder wasn't the only one in the area around the time, leading investigators to wonder if they were potentially looking for a serial killer. Hmm. Uh, The first case that investigators looked into was that of 20-year-old Anne-Marie Dorogazi for three years prior to her death she'd been working and living at Camp Dearborn in Milford Michigan which is under 30 miles from both Redford and Livingston County so where she lived and where she was found um and she worked there as part of the maintenance crew and didn't have a car and was known to walk along General Motors Road to a relatively nearby gas station for things like snacks drinks cigarettes what have you Uh, She was last seen alive on September 26th or 27th, depending on the source, of 1981. And according to now-retired Detroit homicide detective Bill Peterson, quote, she was last seen at about 9.30 that evening in one of the shower buildings, seen by another woman, a guest at the camp, who said that she was drying her hair there. Another couple thought they saw somebody that looked like her walking back from Milford to the camp, but they couldn't swear to it. Okay. Um, she was off work for the next couple of days so nobody thought anything of it when they didn't see or hear from her during that period of time. Because she was um, according to her brother Bill who also had worked at the camp, his sister was quote, never worried about her safety. She was independent, strong, and could take care of herself. Fair. So they didn't really they're like, oh, she's Mm, just Anne, She'll turn She's doing whatever she's doing. Uh, Peterson shared that an officer who worked at the camp was like patrolled the area, um, was the one to report her missing, saying, quote, he reported that she was missing to the Milford police at about 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning. The timing they see is everything. A young boy walking along General Motors Road there saw a body near the road. She had socks on. Her shirt was pulled up over her head. Her jeans and underpants were tossed on the ground near her body. That was it. End quote. An autopsy would eventually reveal that Anne had been strangled to death, but despite the way her body was discovered, it didn't appear that she had been sexually assaulted. Hmm. Which I, mm. debatable, sure, but it was 1981. Exactly the the science was not, not sound. there, not yeah, <clears throat> not all the way there. So, but they didn't think so. Okay. So that there was that, um. Investigators also don't believe that robbery was the motive for the crime uh, because her purse, which contained money, was found near her body.
2: Yeah, and I would say
1: so too. still, everything was in it. Um, it was also believed that she had been killed elsewhere and left in the ditch shortly before she was found due to the fact that it had rained the night before and a little bit into the early morning, but her body was dry. Ah. So that, like the snow. Yeah. With Christina. Um, despite several interviews, the case went cold. In 2015, Milford Police Sergeant Ed Pilch spoke with WHMI saying, quote, In my opinion, this case is not a who-done-it. We know who is likely responsible and we have been working to establish enough evidence to proceed. We believe she knew her murderer. It has bothered me deeply that this person has been walking free among us with no accountability. We just have to get that break that will allow us to do that. Ooh, okay. Right? Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, he's like, oh, I know who did it. We he's just like, gotta... He's like, we know. We just gotta... Yeah. You have to prove get beyond the evidence a doubt. Yep. To prove what we know is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the likelihood of Anne's case being connected to Christina's, Lieutenant Sam Marsben of the Oakland County Sheriff's Office isn't sold, okay. saying. Um, the original investigators from the 1980s did look at those avenues as, well... And to date, we have um, nothing connecting them. Okay. Not to say that they aren't connected, but we don't have any information specifically linking those cases together. Uh, Anne-Marie Doragazi's case remains unsolved. The next case, believed to potentially be connected to Christina Castiglione's, is actually one I already covered. Oh! Back in episode 180, the murder of 16-year-old Kimberly Lewisell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um just a brief rundown Recap. for that. Yeah. Um Kim went missing from Redford on March 18th, 1982, almost exactly a year to the day before Christina Castiglione would disappear. Oh. Okay. Kim went missing on March eighteenth. Christina went missing on March 19th Mm-hmm. So yikes. Wow. Yeah. Um both young women were attractive, taller. Uh, One was 5'7", one was 5'8", brown-eyed brunettes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were both found in wooded areas of state parks, Mm -hmm. relatively remote. Uh, The locations where their bodies discovered were roughly 30 minutes apart. If you remember the episode on Kim, I forgive you if you don't, um, her sister Cindy had shared that DNA evidence had been collected but was improperly stored and eventually degraded, rendering it useless.
0: No. Agreed. I remember that.
1: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. um, There was one, because her sister Cindy, like, just has been posting about her mm-hmm. murder for years, trying to get anyone to say something or anything to help find who killed her sister, which right. is, I can't imagine how awful. But she also mentioned in several posts and in interviews that her sister used to bite her nails, so there was no way... For DNA to have been collected from under her nails because she had bitten them to nubs. Right. So that was also not an option at the time to look for DNA under there because there there was no way it would have been able to get under there to begin with. Um, So there's that. Yeah. Which is just unfortunate. So unfortunate. Um, So, useless DNA in Kim's case. Lame. But not all hope was lost. That missing puzzle piece Detective Bazot mentioned earlier was finally found after over 40 years. To go on. Like I mentioned earlier, the DNA profile from Christina's case was entered into CODIS by the Michigan State Police Crime Lab in the early 2000s. But there were no hits and a suspect was never identified. The Livingston County Cold Case team continued working on Christina's case over the years. And in March of 2022, they applied for a grant... Uh, to get funding through the nonprofit organization Season of Justice, mm-hmm. who, according to the DNA Solves website, is quote, dedicated to funding DNA testing on unsolved cold cases or unsolved cold case homicides, and provides funding to law enforcement agencies nationwide to conduct advanced testing in homicide, sexual assault, and Jane slash John Doe cases where the victim's body or the suspect is unidentified and DNA is the only investigative option. Jeez. End quote. Uh, the Livingston County Cold Case team received their funding and more extensive testing of the DNA began. A couple of months after receiving their funding, the DNA evidence was sent to Othram, which is a private forensic lab that specializes in forensic genetic genealogy. Um, And so they sent it off for forensic-grade genome sequencing in order to develop a profile of Christina's killer. Okay. The leads generated by Authroom were sent back to the LCCC team, and after confirming the identity with three separate familial DNA comparison tests. Oh, boy. Three. 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 They're like, we want to be real fucking sure sure that this is the guy. Three familial DNA comparison tests, they were finally able to, quote, identify beyond a reasonable doubt, end quote, who killed Christina Lynn Castiglione.
2: Do go on.
1: Hang on, the devil's in my throat, I need a drink about it. Yeah. In such a cute cup. Thank you. <laughs> um, according to Matt Young, a detective sergeant at the Livingston County Sheriff's Office, quote, they were able to locate a single hit within the DNA, genealogy sites that came back to a living uncle of the suspect, and then they were able to build a family tree from that uncle to where we are today. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> Sadly, Cristofaro and Beatrice Castiglione, who visited their daughter's grave every Sunday for an unknown number of years, they both died before learning who had been responsible for their daughter's death. Boo. In 2014, um, her sister Anna did an interview with Seven Action News and she revealed that there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about her. Mm. I know. It's very sad. Now, hopefully she can find some peace knowing who killed her sister and what became of them. In a press conference on February 23rd, 2023, Okay. Yeah, like a few months ago. Just around the corner. Yeah, I mean. Time. It moves weird. Um, Livingston County Sheriff Mike Murphy said, quote, Fortunately, that DNA was collected in 1983. Nobody had a crystal ball to know what that was going to look like 40 years later. "...detectives on the scene could have very easily overlooked things, and we wouldn't be where we are today." End quote. Adding that, quote, "...the work that was done back in 1983 to preserve the evidence, to process the scene, was an outstanding effort by everybody that was at the scene, detectives as well as the responding deputies." Of the break in the case, Murphy stated, quote, "...when there's a homicide, there's normally some sort of a connection between the victim and the suspect, and in this case, there was none." That's one of the reasons that this was 40 years in the making. There were no tips. There was no evidence. There was no indication that would lead us to Charles Shaw. Oh. Charles David Shaw was a longtime resident of Livonia, Michigan. Okay. Uh, and was 26 at the time of Christina's murder. He also lived less than five miles from where Christina was last seen, the Though it's still unqueer, unclear if Shaw and Castiglione knew each other in any capacity, like even in passing, like okay. an acquaintance of her yeah. boyfriend, they they're still not sure, but they don't think so. They think it would total Random. strangers. Um, despite their initial shock, Shaw's family cooperated with police and provided details into what was quite a troubled life. Okay, um, Shaw was apparently no stranger to law enforcement. And was even arrested in 1981 after attempting to kidnap a woman in the parking lot of a Fowlerville McDonald's. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, In a piece from USA Today, Shaw's rap sheet, or at least some of it. Was revealed with author Patricia Alford writing, quote, in 1973, Shaw was arrested by the L- Livonia Police Department on a breaking and entering charge. In 1977, he was arrested by the LPD on a drug possession charge. In 1981, he was sentenced to two weeks in jail and probate- probation for the Fowlerville incident, according to Young. And in 1982, he was arrested for larceny of women's shoes from a Kmart, end quote. Jesus. Uh, According to the press release, quote, based on information received from Shaw's family, he was described as a sex addict with a disturbing life who struggled with mental illness and gender identity, end quote. Oh boy. His wife, or ex wife, Would also cooperate with police with Detective Sergeant Matt Young saying, quote, I can tell you the ex-wife, she believed that something like this could have happened at some point during their marriage. She wasn't overly surprised, but she was more than helpful in bringing this to resolution, end quote. That's good. She also disclosed information on her ex-husband, elaborating on the gender identity issue previously mentioned, with an unnamed investigator sharing, quote, he had disclosed to her that at the time he was to undergo a sex change and was seeking counseling to do so. She also described him as a sexual deviant, end quote. Oh, boy. His words, not mine, because we know that that is not the correct terminology, it is gender reassignment. Um, but... Whether or not that information is true, I can't say. Right. If that was actually something that happened or just his ex being.
2: Yeah. But also, I mean. Well, either and, way. Right. I mean, and depending on, you know, when that conversation was had, that was the terminology of the time. That's, yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Well, the quote was recent. Okay. Got it. From the officer recently. I see. I yeah. see. So me just correcting him. Now, yeah. as if he's ever going to hear it, he's not. But got it. <laughs> just so you know, it was like from 2022 to 2023. Okay, okay. I see. I yeah. see. I thought that it was no, 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 not him her. telling she, his ex-wife
2: that's what he wanted. I was like, th- well, back then that would have been. We did, what but said. it
1: was the quote was the officer relaying Heard. what this man's gotcha. ex yes. had said. So, like I said, whether or not it's true, mm-hmm. I can't say. And it will also remain unverified because Charles David Shaw died in Detroit on November 27th, 1983. Oh, boy. Eight months after murdering Christina Castiglione by what is written in the press release and reports as accidental sexual asphyxiation.
2: Ah, got it. Huh. Yeah, yeah that's a thing.
1: Yep. Unfortunate. Unfortunate.
2: Isn't that how David Carradine died as yeah, well?
0: It is how David Carradine.
1: It is indeed. Died. Yeah, That's what I thought. Uh, in recent years, Michigan State University created a pilot program for students, quote, that allows them to work side by side with Michigan State Police detectives to work on solving cold cases while getting college credit. End quote. Cool, right? Uh, after the news of Christina Castiglione's 40-year-old murder being solved, a group of these student interns recently uh, turned their focus to another unsolved Michigan case. That of Kimberly Lewis out. Um, oh God, are you dying? What's happening? A little bit. I was like, am I going to hiccup? Am I going to sneeze? I don't know what's happening inside of my body, but I think I just took a screenshot of my insides. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, something happened, and it felt really weird. That was odd. Okay, are you heartburning? No, I'm okay now. But it was just like my whole body just literally was like, click, click, inside, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to sneeze, hiccup, burp, what's happening inside of me right now. The huh. devil.
2: Well, you know, he's in your throat. It so. working
1: through me, I it guess. Ha- it, it happens. Trying to, anyway. Um, so, yes, they wanted to take a look at Kimberly L's case. Through their research, they learned that a tip regarding Charles Shaw and his potential involvement in Kim's murder had been called in. With the tipster sharing that Shaw had, quote, recently destroyed his apartment and they thought it was suspicious, end quote. Okay. Police made note of the tip, but either didn't follow through or were unable to locate Shaw. Just the tip. Just the tip. Uh, Interns and investigators immediately started mapping out Shaw's known whereabouts, apartment, work, places he'd hang out, whatever. And they found that they were all in extremely close proximity to where Kim had gone missing from. Like, they, all of these areas surrounded the area that Kim disappeared from. Um, They went to the evidence locker, basically, quote, praying for a miracle, considering all the DNA had been improperly stored back in the day. Mm -hmm. However, it seems that everyone gets one miracle in their lives, and four months after sending what little physical evidence there was off to the Michigan State Police Crime Lab for retesting... Police interns and Kim's surviving family members were given theirs. They got their miracle. Oh, he did it. <laughs> well, a single sperm cell had gone undetected amongst the evidence for over 40 years. Wow. One spermy cell. One. Wow. That's crazy. It That's is impressive. Insane. And in June of this year, Cindy Arthur's, Kim's sister, Took to Facebook and posted the update she'd been actively working towards for the majority of her life. That was just four months ago. Yep. Because she was 13 mm-hmm. when Kim was murdered. hmm 40 plus years later.
2: That's a long time.
1: Yeah. It's a long time. Majority of her life. Yeah. So, she said on her Facebook post, After 41 years, I am so happy to announce that my sister Kimberly lewis L., Kim... Uh, her case has been solved with 100% positivity as Charles David Shaw being the one who murdered her. Yeah. <laughs> this next part is delightful.
0: Um, I was going to say, do you need help? No. Okay. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's always a possibility.
0: Sure. But
1: <laughs> Charles has been dead since 1983 by accidental sexual asphy- asphyxiation. In my eyes, that's karma at its best. <laughs> I mean,
0: yes.
1: Uh, even though we will never have our day in court, I'm at peace with that. Justice was solved way better forty years ago when he killed himself than what we could ever serve him today. Mm. Touche.
0: Like touche. Cindy,
2: yeah. girl, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. That was a hell of a Seth Rogen laugh, by the way. It really. Oh was. yeah, I
0: have. Yeah, <laughs> one of my like three or four I was like, laughs. Is, is Seth Rogen here? What the hell? Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: It happens. As of now, police are looking into Shaw as a suspect in at least one other cold case in the area, but are considering him a potential suspect in other local crimes between the early 1970s and his death in 1983. Uh, Anyone with information is asked to contact um, Michigan State Police Detective Sergeant Larry Rothman at 313-407-9379. And that is the... Solved, cold case murder of Christina Castiglione, and the backhoe of yeah. Kim Lewisell. And thank you to listener Anna for sending me the update on today's case because she is the one who sent me uh, Kim's case to in begin the first place. With, yeah, because that is from her, her hometown. hometown. And so, right. Thank you for that. That's, that's why. Awesome. That's why I had to do a bit of a bummer today because, and that's why I also only Got had. It. Uh, the one backhoe, because my whole story was one in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Which
2: is awesome.
1: Yes, very fucking cool.
2: Yeah. Because they... I love it when this happens. Me too.
1: I love
2: the old solved cold case. Yeah,
1: they were uh, not super hopeful. Yeah. In either of them. um, Because, you know, evidence was very slim, and... Especially in Kim's case, because I yeah. thought there was nothing. One cell. One single sperm. Cell. After 40 years had just been hanging out in that evidence locker. Just like, find me, find me. He's like, hello. <laughs> I'm here, find me. In my brain, for whatever reason, because also my brain is a hellscape of nonsense. The I just pictured that the WB frog that... <laughs> <laughs> it's just whenever most people look at it, it's dead. But then when cert- like a certain someone looks at it, he just puts on his top hat. He's like, "Hello, my baby. <laughs> Hello, my darling." Because my brain is a terrible nightmare of a place. That's that's what came tonight. He's mind. a
2: little white sperm cell. Yeah.
1: Hello, my exactly. baby. Hello, my darling. Oh man! Turns out I did have another backhoe. Kind of um, nothing. It's me to do. in a microscope. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly.
0: I was Trying to come up with something about a crotch being on fire. Uh-huh. My baby, my heart's on fire. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, this I is, was sticking with yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah. No. So this, yeah, I get it. This was uh, this was created and sent. Look to at me us. like
0: I'm the asshole.
1: Yeah. Uh, but this I forgot to <laughs> write down. But I just remembered that it was a thing that was created and sent by our dear friend Rob. Oh. Up north. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. Uh, and the comment he attached to this message, that face is him reading the cue card. He oh made a, a movie poster. Is it Caviezel? Uh-huh. And it says, fast and furious, Godspeed, Jim Caviezel, take the <laughs> wheel. <laughs> Here's, if you want, <laughs> a good look at it. It's real, real good. Oh, no. oh Rob. <laughs> His face, he's reading the cue card. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh, boy. Jim Cavizel, mentally challenged. Jim Caviezel is just...
0: Uh, just a special little guy. Fucking Dennis. Can I have another cake?
2: <laughs> yes. Jim- oh, here, finish this one, because I only ate one half of it, and I can't... I mean, it's not... Jim I, it's good. Good weasel. I just mm-hmm. the literal worst. Yeah. Oh, uh, he well, is the literal worst.
1: We can we can talk about that later, but the, also, I think I sent it to you, maybe you. I don't remember. Uh apparently the reason why Tim Ballard stepped down from his role. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you are Operation Underground Railroad. Uh in a surprise to no one with any sense. Allegations of sexual misconduct. Shocking. At least, at least seven accounts, and those are just from people that worked with him. That's not counting outside consultants or anything like that. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, the The authors of those Vice articles that I referenced in the patroon episode that we did on ballard and caviezel Mm -hmm. old old timmy balls and jimmy (laughs) cabs uh anna merlan and i forget the other man's name i'm the other man the other person i'm so sorry that i forgot your name i do every time but they they're the ones who were like hey buddies guess what we found Oh, on their podcast? Mm-hmm. No, they didn't have, they write for Vice. Oh, for Vice? Yeah. Okay. They got were it, got guests it, got it, got it. On a podcast. But there they're, it is. they're there the it ones, got to my it. knowledge, who broke that news. Ah, uh, well. And yeah. that there's so much more, but that's not why we're here today. No. But... I,
0: I have and will always contend yeah. that if you or someone you know is just so goddamn hard in the paint for something that you are not open to discussion at all in any way, shape, or form to the alternative point of view, Mm -hmm. you are guilty of that alternative point of view. Yeah.
2: If you or anyone you know suffers from... Mesothelioma.
0: (laughs) If you... Being a douchebag asshole. ...just hate the gays so much... You gotta touch of it. if If you just... If you just want all the gays to burn, look in the mirror, because you want a dick in your mouth.
2: Yeah, you got some sugar in that tank.
1: Oh, yep. also, apparently, the got Mormon... A touch
2: of the homosexuality in mm-hmm. you.
1: The Mormon church wants nothing to do with Tim Ballard as well, which... Wow. They were like, we don't know her.
0: <laughs> Not our team.
1: Timmy... Old Timmy Balls? Yeah. No, no. We don't. we don't know her. No, we don't. We don't know her anymore. No. We don't claim her. No. Which is... Nuts. Uh-huh. The whole thing.
2: Hey, white men, don't claim him either. We don't. <laughs> See? Any
0: we don't. There?
1: Any of you with sense? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: No, Timmy Ball's here. But, I was, with but, the
0: thing I just said, I was going to say, uh, you know, the condition being something hateful, but like, being anti-child trafficking is not a hateful thing at all. No. You it's know? when
1: you
2: lie about child trafficking. Yeah. And literally... of anything you've ever done. Yeah. Because you didn't do it. Right.
0: Big fat liar. He's a big fat
2: lying pants liar.
1: Oh, yeah, that movie. Yeah, Yeah. that's right.
0: Yeah, and Paul Giamatti.
1: Good job. Oh, I love Paul Giamatti.
0: Um, But yeah,
1: so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just because you mentioned it i kind of do because i was like i vaguely remember that and now uh-huh. i want to watch it to be like oh yeah this is why i forgot this movie existed They
0: turned him i think they turn him into a blue person a la tobias funke
1: yes oh my yes. god
2: yes tobias Uh-huh.
1: you got sources ma'am several yeah i figured
0: read um. them shits <laughs>
1: w-i-l-x.com crystal holloman and cody butler WXYZ.com, com, sarah michaels and john austin freep.com freep it's, the, no. it's you've done freep it's freepy because it's the detroit free press yeah. but i just I'm like
0: i'm freep
1: i am a freep <laughs> <laughs> i'm a winner good god uh that was beth jackman Uh, WHMI.com, John King, uh, another article by Jessica Matthews, and then an unattributed staff article. Authorum.com, TCTimes.com, Sharon Stone, not that one, there was a photo. Uh, Your mom was no Sharon Stone. (laughs) YouTube.com, Gray Hughes Investigates, uh, a video called Michigan 3, Anne-Marie Doragazi, Kimberly Lewis L., Christina Lynn Castiglione, CBSNews.com Kara Tabachnik, and then another article by Andre Gutierrez, usatoday.com, Patricia Alvord, dnasolves.com, Michael Vogan, findagrave.com, uh, that's my blind, I took off my glasses, uh, milivecounty.gov, fox2detroit.com, Amber Ainsworth, Ingrid Kelly, and Amber Ainsworth, two separate articles, websleuth.com, newspapers.com, so many, Newspapers from Newspapers.com. Detroit Free Press Articles by Rick Ratliff from 331.83, Sandy McClure, 325.83, and Michelle Chandler, 811.83. An unattributed article from the Lansing State Journal, 331.83, Livingston County Daily Press, and Argus... Articles by Daniel Grantham from 71587 and unattributed articles from April 6th of 83 and April 13th of 83. Uh, click on Detroit.com, Kayla Clark, Karen Drew and Kayla Clark, multiple articles by both of them. VillageofMilford.org, of Milford.org, Wonderground.com, GenealogyExplained.com, Already Gone Podcast.com, Nina Instead, uh, Verity Creates.medium.com, VerityPartington, What Lies Beyond uh, the Livingston Daily Press, and Argus article by Susan Bromley from February 28, 2018. Uh, Charles Step Funeral Home.com, Already Gone Podcast, Episode 85, Three Stories by Nina Instead. And the Michigan Unsolved Podcast, Episode 7, The Murders of Andor Ghazi, Kimberly Louiselle and Christina Castiglione by Christy Kramer.
0: Fucking pinch it off!
1: No! No! <laughs> no, also, because there's not a ton of information out there, I had to scour every source possible,
2: and thorough thorough
1: thorough I mean, I could not and just face be, a lawsuit be garbage, yeah, well, I don't mean not cite my sources, I mean just not use like find one and be done with it, sure, 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 absolutely not, but especially because there's not a ton mm-hmm. of. Past information out there. Now it's all just the fact that the case has been solved, which yay, but made digging for other information a little bit of a chore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I only have four sources for mine.
0: So. I was going to say, yours looks, yours looks uh, relatively I, I got a quick. short McGort. Yeah. I got <laughs> a
2: short McGort. Well, because before I got the plague, I was halfway done writing the La episode. Right. And then that didn't happen. And then I didn't. Uh, I was sick. Uh, so, I've got a short McGourt today. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I have a haunted location. <laughs> yeah, so we're not going to end on a bummer here. Hooray. Well, this is not, yeah. a, not a full bummer. No. But- no, it was actually really, it was it was good because, yeah. I, I, hey, cold case solved, always good. Right? Uh, so, this is not just any haunted location. But it's a home that holds the title of the most haunted house in London. Okay. At least that's what people have said for, about the home for centuries. 50 Berkeley Square doesn't have just one haunting story. It has many. And to this day, there is a police notice on the wall inside of 50 Berkeley Square pro- proclaiming that the upper levels are forbidden to guests and the building's owners alike. Oh. Why? Well, there are rumors that a mysterious creature known as the Nameless Thing of Berkeley Square lives up there.
1: I don't like it.
2: So what makes this particular house so haunted, and are the stories true? So let's get into it and see what we think. Yes, please. And I mean, the most haunted home in London. I mean, that's quite the claim. I mean, you've got the Enfield poltergeist. You, there's, there's a lot of
1: there's a lot of stuff. Lot going of stuff.
2: It's an old there's ass city with a lot of
0: death. That's a-
2: so yeah. So Berkeley Square is located in the Mayfair neighborhood of London, which is an upscale area in the West End. And number fifty is a townhouse that was designed and constructed in 1750 by architect William Kent. And not too long after that, after it was built, the story started. So the first story I found was from 1789. And it's said that a young girl named Adeline, who had been abused by her uncle, jumped to her death from the upper floor. Since then, numerous witnesses have reported seeing the ghost of a young girl standing at the window as if about to jump, as well as hearing strange sounds such as knocking, things being moved across the floorboards, and crying all coming from the upper floor. Oh. It's three stories. So Adeline's spirit is said to take the form of a brown mist, though sometimes it is reported as a white figure, and she is apparently capable of scaring those that she encounters to death. There are two other variations of the story. Uh, One is that a young man was locked in the attic and fed only through a hole in the door until he eventually went mad and died.
1: Mm.
2: Another is that the attic room is haunted by the ghost of a little girl who wears Scottish tartan and was killed there by a sadistic servant oh so there were so many stories in the late 18th century about berkeley square that it was said that the house must be actually haunted by bloody bones who was and is an old english boogeyman who first appeared in writing around 1548
1: Okay.
2: According to Ruth Tung's book, Somerset Folklore, Bloody Bones lived in a dark cupboard, usually under the stairs. If you were heroic enough to peep through a crack, you would get a glimpse of the dreadful crouching creature with blood running down his face, seated waiting on a pile of raw bones that had belonged to children who told lies or said bad words. I don't... If you peeped through the keyhole, he got you anyway.
1: No, thank you. Right? Right.
2: So there were a few owners through the 1800s. Uh, Prime Minister, the shortest Prime Minister, uh, not in height, in length of his being Prime Minister. I was just going to say. George Canning lived at 50 Berkeley Square from around 1770 until his death in 1827, when the home was purchased by Elizabeth Curzon until she died at age 91. After her passing, it was bought by a man named Thomas Myers, who purchased the home for him and his bride to be. Okay. Well, it's said that Thomas got jilted by his lady love. Uh-oh. So he lived in the home alone and went a little cuckoo. Like it was full of stuff. He still had all the shipping boxes with the china and the the rugs that still rolled up. Like she called it off real. Yeah, late, oh. late in the game. Uh-oh. Yeah, and so all of those things apparently were unopened and the rugs still rolled up. And
1: I want to know the story behind that. Yeah,
2: so Thomas's nocturnal behavior increased the stories of the home being haunted because, well, he never left the house. He would sleep during the day and he, he'd be up all night just doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And during his nightly shenanigans, the sounds coming from the house scared the neighbors and passersby. So it kept the stories going of the house being haunted. So when he stopped paying his taxes in 1873, a tax agent paid him a visit. But after seeing the state of the home, which Thomas had let fall into severe disrepair, the tax man decided not to levy more taxes on the house and poor Thomas Myers died the following year. Oh. So after that, the house just sat empty and got further and further and further into disrepair, and people would, you know, the stories just kept going. Yeah, you know, it said if you went up and touched the house, you'd be cursed, and all that kinds of stuff. So, now I'm not sure who owned it after Thomas, but in 1879, the Mayfair Magazine printed an article, article that stated that a maid had a strange encounter in the attic of 50 Berkeley Square, and that it tur- it had turned her mad. Ooh. She was said to be the maid of a man and his two teenage daughters, and the eldest daughter disliked the smell in the house, which she said reminded her of the animals in the zoo. Oh. So the story goes that the maid was in the attic preparing a room for the eldest daughter's fiance, a man named Captain Kentfield, who was coming for a visit. Okay. Everyone in the house heard screaming coming from the attic. They ran up there, found the maid lying on the floor, catatonic, muttering, don't let it touch me. Uh Uh-uh. She was sent to an asylum where she died just a few days later.
1: Oh, my!
2: So the maid was not the only one that was driven insane by the ghost in the attic. It said that a nobleman spent the night in the room up there and that he had instructed the servants to only go up if he rang the bell twice in the night. So... They all go to bed. Then they heard one bell ring at midnight. But it was only one. They're like, all right, well, he said two, so we're not going to go up there. So they ignored it.
1: Good, because it sounds like a trick.
2: So then all of a sudden, the bell just started to ring furiously. Oh, wouldn't stop. I don't like it. So they run upstairs, but the man was paralyzed in fear, and he could not speak. Uh, another version of the story was that it was actually Captain Kentfield who had decided to stay in the attic to face the ghost that had killed the maid. Then the servants heard the screams and a gunshot. They rushed upstairs and found his dead body on the floor. Ooh. So this story may have come from a man named uh, Lord George Littleton, an aristocrat and politician who had stayed in one of the attic rooms of 50 Berkeley Square in the late 1800s. He was a skeptic, and he did not believe that the house was haunted, and he stayed there to prove it. Um, He did, however, bring a gun, just in case.
1: Because, yes, that is how you get rid of ghosts. You (laughs) shoot them.
2: Yeah, in the middle of the night, it said that he was woken up abruptly by a brown mist, and he saw what he called a mysterious creature in the darkness. So he grabbed his gun, fired, went over, and there was nothing but shotgun shells on the ground yeah so you know that actually happened and according to the mayfair magazine the whole they're the ones that printed the story about the maid i couldn't find any names so i don't know if the littleton story kind of created those other stories hard to say um in 1887 Two sailors from the HMS Penelope I really wanted to say pinafore but I couldn't <laughs> because it's not uh, yeah. they stayed the night in the house and by morning one was found dead the story is that two drunk sailors Robert Martin and Edward Blunden went to 50 Berkeley Square which was vacant vacant at the time they'd heard of the hauntings they're hammered they're gonna go in there right they're gonna sleep and they're gonna stay the night in the house. Blunden woke up in the middle of the night to a strange gray creature crawling across the creaking wooden floor of the room. He immediately grabbed a weapon and woke his homie Robert up. Then the thing jumped towards him. Robert Martin immediately ran for help, but when he came back with the police, Edward Blunden had already died and his body had been mutilated.
1: Oh, no.
2: So what the fucking fuck? There have been several hypotheses proposed to explain the mysterious entity responsible for the alleged deaths in Berkeley Square. According to witnesses, they say that they have seen the creature. It has tentacles and resembles an octopus. I don't... I don't want that. According to this theory, it's believed that the octopus-like creature is a monster that has mutated over the course of 200 years and travels via a tunnel. Beneath the Berkeley Square complex.
1: No, I don't yeah. want an octo creature. No, sh-
2: L- little far fetched, sh- guys. But again, it's tunnels. Late eighteen hundreds, you know. I don't. So, I
1: could you just imagine the sound of a giant octopus creature? No, rolling it's real, itself like, through a tunnel, swappy.
2: Just I, I imagine it being swappy,
1: like right, real wet. Yeah, Thwappy. Slurping, splorching. So.
2: <laughs> splorching and thwapping.
1: I don't yeah. like it. Mm-mm, oh, no. I don't want that.
2: Mm-mm, no, no, who does? So um, another theory is that there is no mysterious creature at 50 Berkeley Square and that the stories were intentionally created to conceal the illegal activities. You see, it said that at the end of the 18th century, the building served as the headquarters for counterfeiters.
1: Uh-huh-hoo. So in order
2: to... Stay off the radar of the authorities, the stories were made up to ensure that no one ever went to the building. Could that be. probable. Yeah. So today, 50 Berkeley Square is home to the antique bookshop Maggs Brothers LTD okay. and has been since the late 1930s.
1: Oh.
2: And according to Ed Maggs, quote, the stories about the ghost are complete horlicks. <laughs> Nothing to it at all. End quote. Alright Ed. Right. So was the home ever haunted or were the ghosts product of Victorian writers? Back in the Victorian era, ghost stories were very popular, as was spiritualism. Yeah. Okay. Even the newspapers reported about ghosts and haunted places. It was very commonplace. Mm-hmm. Berkeley Square was named in Peter Underwood's book *Haunted London* in 1975, and has appeared as a venue for a Charles Dickens ghost club mission in the *Assassin's Creed* syndicate video game.
1: Oh,
0: that game sucks ass.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, and I wouldn't that know. is the story of the supposed most haunted home in London.
0: Okay. F and A Cotton. Yeah. What? <laughs> Do you get it? What? F and a Cotton?
1: I know I've heard it and I know you've said it before, but my brain is unable to a movie to called Dodgeball. Oh, 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 oh Jason
0: yes. Jason Bateman.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: yes. F and a Cotton, FNA. FNA
2: Cotton. I love him so oh, much. Oh, Jason Bateman's the best. He, I just, I, I love his deadpan, dry yeah. sense of humor. It just, he's so huh? fucking funny. It just Her? fucking kills me. Yeah. <laughs> really
1: her so much arrested development has happened at me today and I like i was mad at it outside of here an too it was great
2: FNA mm. cotton that's right dodgeball
1: god I love that movie <laughs> and she calls it a mayonnaise <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the one that really? I saw earlier it was the oh <laughs> Michael and Lucille's there was a colored man in my house really what color was he blue it's like oh god that scene is so good
0: again season five like secret sleeper everybody hated on it and i watched it again and it's fucking funny
2: oh god it's funny i fucking love that show um so muswasas oh sure yeah go for it (laughs) wiki yeah mental floss paul collins medium l small like the letter l Mm. love it thelittlehouseofhorrors.com and london beyond time and place philip Rotgers. excellent yes. It was yes 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 fun. it was fun so there's lots of stories and mm-hmm. you know
0: what have yous
2: yes starting the from things. the late 1700s okay. and it just yeah but that plaque is on the wall don't go to the third floor period
1: okay you no know, so um, don't fucking do it don't do it speaking of things that are kirsten hex oh yes i saw this on the facebook recently
0: please tell me it's a waxy box
1: no um a what <laughs> he's talking about the, the box. boxes that people sell <laughs> Oh
0: fuck! covered in
1: candle wax that are with, full of nothing with
0: pictures of
1: except th- garbage
0: th- th- and, lies. On them.
1: and hopefully farts i hope somebody like farts in
2: one of those well, and that's then a just whole, seals it in that's there.
1: That's a whole other Etsy oh, dude, shop. Far, yeah.
0: Fart in a jar <laughs> is a whole other kink.
1: That's a that's a whole other Etsy shop. Um, but this is the quote. This you is can the buy caption. in a jar on Etsy? Probably. Oh. People, them people sell them. I know so. that. Yeah. I It's Etsy.
0: It's I have a,
1: a, a fart in a jar is homemade. Homemade
0: <laughs> hands <laughs> Episode title, there it is. A fart in a jar is homemade.
1: That homemade is jar farts. Um, but no, this is, <laughs> this is what the person said. And I'll show you the photo. Homemade fart jars for sale. Yeah, this says, found inside the wall in my hallway, I've lived in this house for all of my 46 years. Oh, God. And on the back, so faintly written that I cannot capture it with my camera, are the words... An old man called Energy. Okay. And this was like the photo
0: Brooks was here
1: that they found inside the wall in their house.
0: Go! Oh!
1: Shut the fuck up. That is
0: up. straight up Vigo.
1: An old man called Energy. That's, like why is it in the wall? That I'm, is
0: Ghostbusters 2 Vigo.
1: Right? No, that is much worse than Vigo the Carpathian. Still, it's terrible. Where are his eyes? Why is he there?
0: That's awful.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't look like a very big picture. Thank fuck, but yeah, it's right. I don't I hate it. Do y'all sleep at night? Do y'all have nightmares? I there was Do I your can't walls bleed. Maybe. The I don't fuck. I don't know where I saw it. I can't remember what group I saw it in cuz I took a screenshot and immediately scrolled away cuz I didn't want to know anymore about an old man called Energy. I don't need to. No. I mean, I want to. Ah. But do I need to? Absolutely no. Absolutely not. Uh, Knowing what I... That's enough. Like, normally, I'm a big fan of people finding things in the walls. And wish that it would happen to me. Like, when people find teeth. I love that. Yes. Like, but also... If it should have happened to me instead. House, yeah. But... Mm-hmm. That? No. Never never that. Never that. Never Nobody an, wants that. Never an old man called energy. I don't like it. That's horrible. I don't want it. No. I I mm-mm. put it back. Put it put it the fuck back. Seal up that wall. Never again. Like could you imagine like you've lived in that house for almost 50 years and then that is just there the whole time in your walls probably watching you? I don't want it. No. And that's the thing too. It's like
2: I am, like, completely, thoroughly jealous of people who find shit in their walls. Yeah. But on the other hand, I see pictures of some of the things that people pull out of their walls, and I'm like, ooh, put it back. Yeah. Put it back. Well,
1: put that's it back. the put thing. Put it back. Put it back. Put depending it back. Don't on, open it. Depe- put it back. Oh, never. Put Depen- it back. <laughs> depending on what you're finding. Yeah. Like, either I'm going to keep it as a treasure, or I'm going to put it back right the fuck where I found it. And I apologize for touching it. you be like, I didn't. Know that you put this here in my wall. Oh. I am so sorry. Put it right back here. Or apologies for touching from whence it came. No touching from whence it came. No touching.
0: We we, we got it.
1: Uh-uh. Yeah. So. Uh-uh.
2: <laughs> Anywho, all right. All well, we done done it, y'all. We did. We did. We done done it. So y'all know the drill. Great, rate review, review, Subscribe. Share. 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 share.
0: If you would like some exclusive motherfucking, exclusive motherfucking
2: content, content go, go become a patron on our
0: love patron. I love dream.
1: Dream. I really hate that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you uh, know what? I'm fucking done walking on eggshells around you, Z. Yeah. I'm right. done.
2: As if. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. Well, till next time, y'all. Hexes and Hex hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Mwah. Hats off to the fuck you club. Indeed. I think it's, it's your, guy your guy today. Yeah. 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 Charles David shot you son of a bitch. Burn in hell.
0: I would say eat shit and live, but. He's, he's already, already dead. You're dead. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Burn. Burn, motherfucker. Burn. Burn. Burn we don't let yep. burn, 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 burn. burn anyway yeah
0: nipple blisters <laughs> you're just
2: staring at me <laughs> <laughs> nipple blisters <Yep>. that's
0: disgusting <laughs> yeah oh, god doesn't, doesn't sound <laughs> nice uh, can you uh, help me make her giggle uncontrollably cuz i can't i got n- no you didn't
1: i did i did <laughs> There's that. I saw a tombstone with somebody's name. Their last name was Fiddler, and then it said, "And his wife Fanny, Fanny Fiddler." Well, that's just cute. That's fucking delightful.
2: Now I have Fiddler in the roof in my brain. Fiddly
0: timbers. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs)